Welcome to the Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEO Podcast. I'm Martin Harshberger, President of Measurable Results, LLC, and martinharshberger.com. I'm a retired CEO of both a manufacturing company and a third-party logistics company. We were lucky enough to grow both to eight-figure organizations. I've been consulting with small and mid-tier companies for the past 16 years. Our mission with this podcast is to provide a forum to help CEOs in these critical industries share their stories, share best practices, and learn from each other. If you'd like to be a guest in our podcast, go to www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. Each interview will take about 30 minutes. Thanks for listening. Hello, friends. My name is Rye Russell, and I am the host of Supply Chain CEOs. And I am really excited for our first episode because today, We're going to learn everything that we are going to be talking about as this show rolls out. And I am honored to be the host here. And my client, Martin, has amazing experience building supply chains and helping increase the efficiency of companies and organizations. And Martin, thank you so much for the opportunity to be a part of this show with you. Looking forward to it. So, Martin, I'm sure the audience is asking themselves, what are we going to learn about when we clock into supply chain CEOs? Manufacturing and supply chain. Manufacturing and supply chain. The two are are intertwined. I mean, you can't separate them, I don't think. No, because you can't have a product to sell without manufacturing it first. Right. And you can't have a... A manufacturer without a supply chain that you can count on. So they go together. Correct. Exactly. And and Martin, I think you have some experience building companies and building supply chains. Yes, I do. <laughs> the hard way sometimes. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh what goes brief background, I guess. I would I would love to learn about that experience. Okay. Uh I, I started at a large company, uh mainframe company. Spent 20 years there as a kind of a troubleshooter. They moved me all around the country. I wound up seven years in Minneapolis, which was an experience in itself at headquarters. But uh, I left there and started my own company in Memphis, Tennessee, um, a value-add logistics company. We, we partnered with FedEx. FedEx was my, my prime vendor. Uh, the reason we went to Memphis, the hubs there, I could make the sort, that evening sort by shipping as late as midnight that night. So it, it broadened, it actually took a day off most supply chains uh, within the within the industry. Um, we we were fairly successful at that. We grew it pretty rapidly. Uh, grew it to about 50 million. In fact, they made the Inc. 500 one year. Uh, I forget what year it was. as one of the fastest growing companies. And that's good and bad because uh, uh, you, know, you, ta- you and I talked a little bit about before when, when growing that fast, all the problems that come with it. I've got an MBA and I'm not to grow a business, I guess. <laughs> but it, but it was we were successful at it. Uh, I left there and and, and uh, tried retirement once and, and then ran a manufacturing HVAC manufacturing company for for five years and uh, sold that. Uh, so I kind of the last sixteen years I've been consulting with with businesses, uh, primarily manufacturing companies, but I do some industrial service that kind of thing as well. So I've kind of seen it from both sides of the desk, both as a CEO and some of the things I did, plus a lot of my clients seeing some of what some of what they deal with. 
I lived in Bloomington, Minnesota uh, for about two and a half years, Martin. So I, I know why you could want to leave to go there and to go to, to Tennessee because it's just so much warmer. Oh, I, I, I timed my time there, seven winters. <laughs> wow. They were, they were brutal. Well, and, and we, like we talked before when on the air, it's uh, 23 degrees in Mississippi right now. So I don't know what. Which is crazy. For me, coming from New England, that makes a little bit more sense. But one thing that was interesting is when I was in Minneapolis, I had the opportunity to meet a lot of pilots. And a lot of these pilots were moving to Memphis. And I was curious, after like five or six pilots have told me, oh, yeah, I'm moving to Tennessee. Why is every pilot moving to Tennessee? Then I found out because one of our large international shippers has a large hub there. And so I'm fascinated to learn more about your supply chain because it just, what a clever idea for a business, right? You have this amazing hub for international distribution, but not every company is built equal. And so there's going to need to be different things that are built off from there. And so I'm just curious, you know, where did that passion for building out supply chain and increasing efficiency come from? Did you know you have that skill or was it something that you just kind of learned and adopted? Well, I I, I started, uh, like I said, I did turnarounds and, and usually my last turnaround I got you talk about I never interviewed for a job. They said the two biggest messes I had were these two. Which one do you want? And I got a logistic problem uh, in, in Minneapolis. And what I did is I centralized spares and moved into Memphis. And, and long story short, it, it, it's about pipeline. You know, your inventory levels vary with your pipeline. So I came up with this idea. Everybody's got this problem in a high, high tech world, which they did. And so we came up with a, a technical solution to that coupled with uh, with uh, the operational piece. So what I actually sold was time, from the time I took a part off the shelf to the time I put it back on the shelf, refurbished, repaired, refurbished, was seven days. And what I was hitting, what I was competing with was three and four months, literally. So for example, I had a large credit card company, in fact, one of the biggest, uh, we took their terminal business, their credit card terminals at the time, they had thousands of them. And and we reduced our inventory by sixty percent, just by by managing the pipeline. We would send out a, a return air bill with the shipment. We'd go out that night. Next day, they take it, put it back in, put the re- return air bill back in the box, and send it to us. And we would track it. If it wasn't back in two days, we would call and get it, bring it back, and, and put it on the shelf. And we did that with, uh, like I said, uh, Apple North America. I handled all the return referred for Apple North America. Uh, but again, it's, it was all about combining the, the total package and reducing inventory levels. You're just reducing pipeline time. So that, that counts with any supply chain, I guess. Right? Absolutely. And for the, the CEOs in manufacturing and responsible for building out supply chains, I'm curious, in your experience, Martin, is there ever a standard issue? that CEOs need mentorship in? Or or is there a common denominator of, Martin, we need some help. And you look at it and say, well, this is what we need to tackle first. Or or is it just across the board? Do we need to look at every every unique challenge? Well, that's, that's a great question. It is. I have to think about that for a second. But I think 
I think what I've seen working with other CEOs in my, my own experience, um, I talked to you a little bit before we went on the air about the growth we had. We grew in massive chunks and, and it's not the way you, you look at a growth curve. It's like this. Mine went like this up and down and, you know, the cash flow that goes with that, trying to, trying to fund it and uh, trying to staff it and trying to, you know, just all of that. Um, that's one side of it. The other side is you got businesses that are declining and they're looking and say, okay, I got I got to jump on sales. And they try, most CEOs I've dealt with the last 16 years have tried to piecemeal. They'll look at sales and say, okay, I've got to go push on sales or I've got to do whatever it is. But, but it doesn't, most change initiatives don't work. And the reason they don't work is because they don't consider all the pieces. You can't piecemeal it. And what I've developed over the years is saying, okay, let's step back a minute. We're going to look at your overall organization first. Understand what you can do internally. What are your internal strengths and weaknesses? What's your market look like? What's your product look like in the market? What are your competitors? Once you understand all that, then you can put together a solution that, that makes sense. And I think I've been, I don't want to say shocked, but for the most part, that doesn't happen. Uh, I hate to say it, but it's true. Uh, it just doesn't happen. And I, I understand that. I mean, uh, see, being a CEO for 15 years, you get so ingrained in what you're doing. It's hard to step back and say, wait a minute, I guess I'm not starting all over, but I got to understand where I came from. All right. Well, in the example that you gave, Martin, of you know, sales growth going like this and then here and then up and like this, are those moments because we didn't necessarily have the supply chain in a place where it matched our capacity for sales? So was that the constraint? Could we have kept growing? if the supply chain was ready to match that? Not in my case, because when I did bring, just like I, when I brought Apple in, I had to add 75,000 feet to my, my warehouse. I had a 500,000 foot warehouse repair center. I had to add 75,000 feet. So, I mean, there was a, there's a curve between the time I bring it in and I could actually execute it. Sure. A lot of that was IT interface. So one of the things we had, was a proprietary software system that we could IT we could interface with their IT departments and, and let them order and, and track inventory and that better than they could do it initially or internally. So um, I I don't know that I could have brought three or four of those in at once. You know, I mean, sure. on one hand, I knew when I when I signed something really large, I had to replace it because if something happened to it once I ramped up, I had to replace it. And so I started trying to replace it right away, but by the same token, I had to bring it in and execute. Sure. It was a it was a different scenario, I think, than a lot of businesses. What are some strategies that you provide or help when you're mentoring individuals? Because when I think as myself as a CEO, right, one of the things that I'm always doing, we, we need to sell more. We need to sell more. It's all about sales. Everybody but yeah. <laughs> Everybody does. I mean, because that's the in what I a long time ago somebody told me you can't sell your way out of trouble. Mm. But, and and that stuck with me over the years. And you can't. That's a good one. If your revenue is declining, your profitability is declining. More sales isn't necessarily the answer. I mean, if you can't produce it at a profit, if you if you if you got waste in your process, if you can't you can't staff your organization, there's a million things that go with that. So, <clears throat> what what I try to do, I start with the CEO, and especially as a founder, as he or she. I say, where do they want to be personally, in what time frame? Because having been in that position twice, you're 
personal net worth is tied to that company a lot closer than if you had a job there, right? And and it's surprising how few of them can tell me that. Uh, so we, we go through that process. So look, where do you want to be? What, what's your time frame? What's your transition plans? What do you what what's your what's your vision? And once they determine that, we 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 come down and I say, okay, what does a business have to deliver for you to live that way? What well, how much cash do you need to, to, to be able to live that lifestyle? <clears throat> so we create a vision for the organization to support their personal lifestyle. So that's where they want to go. Then the work comes in and say, where are you now? You know, and we, we dig down into the organization, say, let's look at every facet of the organization, see why. And you see the interdepartmental dependencies and, and they're all there. They're, it's so common when you get into businesses. Uh, so once we determine that, then we start, we, we put together an execution strategy that says, okay, this is where you want to go. This is where you are now. This is what we have to do to get there. Now let's go do that. And that's where a lot of strategy and, and change initiatives fail. They don't execute. And the reason they don't execute is because they get pulled back in a day-to-day. So what I provide is the, the nagging, I guess, of the accountability <laughs> that says, here's what we're going to do. And we review that regularly, and I show them how to execute it. When you were explaining that, Mark, I love how you clarified at the beginning, CEO and founding CEO – does one give you maybe more challenges than the other when you're trying to kind of break through? Well, yeah, because uh, uh, a founder, having been a founder, they're emotionally tied to that business. So when, you, when an outsider comes in and says, okay, this is what I've seen, a lot of them don't want to hear that. You know, it, it's not that they've done anything wrong, but markets change, businesses change, things change. When you're emotionally tied to that, it's hard for you to see that. And it's hard for you to accept it. It's, it's, that's why it's tied to their personal well-being because it's not a threat. It, it, you know, their success is tied to the success of that business. And I was emotionally tied to mine too, but if I was doing something wrong, I wouldn't know it <laughs> because I had personal guarantees for millions. I, I, I didn't want to screw it up. <laughs> well, when you were saying that, a philosophy that's always kind of stuck with me is that one of one of my favorite coaches in sports said that in order to stay the same, you have to get better. Like you always have to be improving in order to stay the same. And yeah. when you were explaining that, like business is the exact same. Business is pivoting and adjusting every year or two. Yeah. Faster now than ever, you know, yeah. right? Just like the COVID thing, you know, it hit. I had a client in the first quarter of last year that we couldn't hire people fast enough. And then the shelf just dropped off on everybody. Well, those that really understood their business and their processes and how they're, they, they, they fared better in that downturn than those that were trying to learn what they had to do over the, over the long haul. So I think that was a wake-up call for a lot, of, a lot of clients. I mean, he he reacted very well because we had gone through a process that said, okay, Here's your break even. Here's where you got to go. Here's what, and he knew what he had to do. So within a couple of months, he was back solid again. Well, Martin, one thing that I'm really curious about is the the global pandemic. Like it or not, it it's here. We had it. We've experienced it, and we're going to deal with the consequences of this uh, for a while. And, and who knows, maybe forever. But when you're looking at you know kind of the the state of industry. Do you see the pandemic, do you see us going back to normal at, at any point in time? Or do you see us, this pandemic, changing the way that we need to look at business? 
Well, I, I think one thing it's taught us, you know, and I, I don't know the long-term effects of the pandemic, and I, I have my own thoughts on that, like everybody does. Uh, but I think it's taught us that we can work remotely well, um, like myself. Uh, I did most everything on site up to a few years ago. I'm to the age now, I'm 73. I don't really want to travel anymore. Uh, but I've learned over the last year how to interact remotely with Zoom and, and a lot of the tools that are available. Um, but I think what it's what it's taught us is 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 nothing is certain, and mm-hmm. you have to be able to pivot and react a lot quicker than what we were prepared to do when this thing started. Uh, either way, uh, right? You know, when the, when the economy was booming, we had a three point four percent unemployment rate. I had customers that were they couldn't grow, couldn't hire people, and then it went from that to the total opposite within. Two or three months. So, I mean, it, the, the, I think it taught us that there, uncertainty is real and it's, it, it, it's quick. Absolutely. Well, Martin, one thing that I would like to do before we conclude it is I'd love to tell the audience that's joining us some things that they can expect from us as we continue with this show, the types of businesses that we're going to be exploring and the, the types of uh, yeah, theories that we're going to be learning as well. So I would love for you to share you know, any of those principles that are kind of core to you, but then also an idea for the audience to know what they can expect from us. Well, I think what I, what I envisioned uh, I've joined a lot of LinkedIn groups trying to look at uh, dialogue and, and learn. And, and what I see in LinkedIn, and I'm not knocking LinkedIn, it's a great program, but there's a lot of sales activity going on in those groups. There's not a lot of dialogue. There's not a lot of opportunities to share uh, real information. And with this podcast, what I, what I want to do is, is bring in manufacturing CEOs or, or supply chain CEOs and have them tell their story, how they got where they are. Um, maybe. Uh, we're going to create a uh, mastermind site that, that will allow them to interface uh, with each other, maybe learn best practices. One of the things I look at when I go into companies is they they understand their 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 segment in the market, but a lot of them don't understand the global picture. They don't understand how things are working in other organ- other. One thing I bring from manufacturing, if I go into a company, I, I've worked with manufacturing in other industries. So I can bring best practices from other industries and say, hey, have you guys thought of this? Well, some of that, there's really not a forum for manufacturing folks and supply chain folks to share that stuff. And it's not competitive information. I'm referring to just general best practices and, and what kind of opportunities are you seeing? What kind of threats are you seeing? How are you dealing with them? That kind of thing. I think collaboration is something that we can really thank the pandemic for. I think a lot of us are similar situations of, well, I know what I know, but I don't know these other things. So can I add value, you know, from from my day job and my disciplines, and then also, you know, receive some value from somebody else's experiences. So I love that I am going to have the opportunity with you, Martin, to help network within the manufacturing and supply chain, because we are so many of us, we are looking for ways to connect to network, to increase our knowledge, to share knowledge. And I don't know about you, Mark, but I've noticed that a lot of people are really open to sharing and collaborating because we don't want people to make the same mistakes we did. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. Amazing. Well, Martin. With, you know, the 
the conventions or the, the, the seminars and everything, they're not happening now. So I think it's a great time for it. 100%. And I'm just so excited that we now have a channel that we can help cultivate and foster those relationships. So thank you so much, Martin. Appreciate the opportunity. And to all of you, we're so grateful that you tuned in and cannot wait for you to join us on this journey of manufacturing and supply chain CEOs. So please stay tuned, follow, stay connected. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. If you're a successful CEO in manufacturing or supply chain, would like to be part of the program, please visit www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. If you got some value out of the interview, please share it on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone that would make a great guest, tag them and let them know about the show. Again, our mission is to focus on manufacturing and supply chain CEOs. We'd like to share your story and provide industry trends and updates that would interest our listeners. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and interviews go a long way in promoting the show. You can connect with me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Martin Harsberger uh, or through my website, www.martinharsberger.com. Again, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening.